or maybe I'm just nervous, or I'm excited, but I'm literally just like, I was telling uh, Sarah, I'm like, Sarah, I'm like, what is going on right now? I'm just really excited. Danny, thank you so much for sharing that. I don't know where you just, he was right there. He's tall, so I spanned the like, upper part, and never like, he's like sitting down, that threw me off. But uh, no, you said something, bro, that was really awesome, talking about how eating God's word was sweet to lift. And it reminded me of this proverb, Proverbs 27, verse 7. Don't, don't turn there, I'll just, I'll just reference it. It says, he who is full loathes honey, right? But to the one who's hungry, even what's bitter is sweet. Right? If you've, have you ever had that feeling you're so full, you've had dinner, you're like, they're like, you've had dessert, and you're, you're good. And people are like, hey, do you want some more ice cream or what? You're like, no, please. I'm so, like, please get that away from me. I don't want any more drinks, no more food. I don't care if it's my favorite chocolate. I'm over it, right? But when you're hungry, man, even like the smallest thing, it, it, could, be, it could be bitter, but you're just like, I haven't eaten all day. This, this dark chocolate actually tastes really good right now, you know? <laughs> Some people hate dark chocolate. I, I love it. But, you know, when it said that, you know, mourning and lament and woe, those things can kind of seem down. But when you're hungry, when you really want to eat God's word, even if it seems a little crazy, it's sweet to your soul. If God's word's not sweet to your lips, you might be full of other stuff. Wow. Right? You might be full of video games. You might be full of worldly music. You might be full of all the stuff going on in the world. Wow. So you might want to check your heart, right? See how, see how you feel. So I'm going to set a timer on my watch so I don't uh, go over. And so all you hungry people can actually go and eat food. You know? Talking about the end of the show. Maybe they're Let's go back to Ezekiel chapter 1. Come on, Jesse. I'm excited about it being a summer surge. I, uh, I can't wait. Summer's here. I'm fun. It's going to be so much fun. It's going to be so much fun. Like, I, oh. I'm so excited. It's going to be great. I used to be like, I used to have a tan, and then I moved up north. It's gone. I, just, I was from the Midwest. Like, it's over. Like, I'm so white now. But it's all right. Let's go to Ezekiel chapter 1. Come on, Jesse. There's something really awesome. No matter what season of the year it is, there's something that's really essential that needs to happen in our lives. And what that is and what that looks like, especially if we're going to have a summer surge. What does he mean by a summer surge? What he means is that we want 60 disciples by the GLC, right? We want 10 additions by the time the GLC comes around. That's three months away, two and a half months away. That's two or three people added to God's kingdom throughout the summer, a month, right? That's a surge. That's, that's, that's work is put in. There's only one way that's going to happen, right? You guys ready for it? There's only one way. Remember one way? It's in verse 25. <laughs> Chapter 1, verse 25. If you haven't read Ezekiel yet, like, hit up an ICCM student because, like, they just got done reading, like, the Psalms, Isaiah, Jeremiah. They're getting right into Ezekiel. It's like heavy hitters that, like, you're just like, oh, my gosh. And the amazing thing is that each one of these guys had the exact same response every single time before they started their ministry. And in, in Ezekiel chapter 1, you see the same thing that Jeremiah saw. You see the same thing that Isaiah saw. And what's described is Ezekiel has been carried into slavery. He's been carried into exile. And God shows up. And he's on what is described in this magnificent picture as a chariot, basically, a throne 
that is uh, moved around by angels. It's moved around by cherubim. And it's this very, like, depictive, like, intensely descriptive, like, picture of what Ezekiel sees. And it's so intense. You can kind of see it in verse 25. We won't read everything, but we'll kind of get a picture in verse 25. It says, Then there came a voice from above the expanse over their heads, and they stood there with lowered wings. Above the expanse over their head was what looked like a throne of sapphire. High above on the throne was a figure like that of a man. I saw that from what appeared to be his waist up, he looked like glowing metal, as if full of fire. And that from there down, he looked like fire. A brilliant light surrounded him, like the appearance of a rainbow in the clouds on a rainy day. So was the radiance around him. This was the appearance of the light and the glory of the Lord. When I saw it, I fell face down and heard the voice of one speaking. So he's literally, he's before God, and he is just blown away. He looks and he's like, this is intense. And if you look at all the major prophets, they have the exact same thing. God shows up, and they are face down, right? They are face down. And you have to ask yourself the question, is that your response when you're in presence of God? If you were, like, it's like saying, like, I was walking down the street today, I was late for, like, say I have an appointment, and I was 15 minutes late, and the person, I sit down, I'm like, Man, sorry, I'm 15 minutes late, man. I'm so sorry. And they're like, yeah, what happened? And you're just like, uh, I got hit by a truck. <laughs> yeah. He's going like 70 miles an hour, and he just, man, you see this max symbol, like, right here? Like, it just, man. But I'm here. I'm sorry. I'm late, you know. They would look at you like, you're nuts. <laughs> I work on semi-trucks. Like, they're, I work on the trailers. But if a truck hits you, you're not going to be, like, talking and walking, you know? That person's going to look at you like you're crazy or you're a liar. Like, you know, what? Because there's no way something of that magnitude could have come in contact with you and you not be affected. Right? right? It's the same thing with God. When God is before you and you walk away unaffected, you're either crazy or you're a liar. Right? Something's wrong. You, you You've got to be in a place where you're before God and you're saying, what? Right? You're face down. Right? Ezekiel had this with God. Skip down with me to chapter 3. Come on, Jesse. And you'll see something amazing. Right? Verse 12, it says, Then the Spirit lifted me up, and I heard behind me a loud rumbling sound. May the glory of the Lord be praised in His dwelling place. The sound of the wings of the living creatures rushed against each other. And the sound of the wheels beside them, a loud rumbling sound. The spirit then lifted me up and took me away, and I went in bitterness and in anger of my spirit, with the strong hand of the Lord upon me. I came to the exiles who lived in Tel Aviv, near the Kabar River, and there, where they were living, I sat among them for seven days, overwhelmed. Wow. I bet he was, right? Mm. He's like getting picked up by God, and he's like bitter and angry. He's like, I don't want to go. Why? Because he's going to go right back into bondage. He's going to go right back into slavery with reality, with a message to preach to people. He's got a message. He's, he's seen the glory of God, and now he's going to go tell people who don't want anything to do with the glory of God who he is. Right? That's the amazing thing. So he's like, I don't want to take out of your presence. You know? Is that our response? I have to ask myself, is that my response? Do I really want to get taken out of God's presence, or am I so excited to jump into the craziness of the world? 
I appreciate what Danny said so much. When you're in the summertime, it's so easy to get distracted with what the world is doing, and we can kind of get, um, we, we lose sight of the glory of God, we kind of look at the glory of the world, and we're like, oh wow, you know? It's so easy to fall into that trap. So I hope you guys took some practicals away from what Danny said. It was so good. But with that, I want to give you point number one. Right, point number one. Yes. It says, fun in the sun and work in the shade. Let's go to 1 Timothy chapter 1. Come on, Jesse. 1 Timothy chapter 1. Fun in the sun and work in the shade. I, uh, man, I, uh, I've been learning some interesting things at work. I've, I've actually gotten a new job and, uh, I've been faced with the option. I could get paid the same sitting in the shade, or I could get paid the same sweat in the sun. And one of them is called stealing, and the other one's not. So I've really had to learn, like, even though I'm getting paid the same, I need to make the decision and have the integrity to go work out in the sun. So in chapter 1, 1 Timothy, in verse 12, he says, I thank Christ Jesus our Lord, who has given me strength, that he considered me faithful, appointing me to his service. Even though I was once a blasphemer and a a persecutor and a violent man, I was shown mercy because I acted in ignorance and unbelief. The grace of our Lord was poured out on me abundantly along with the faith and love that are in Christ Jesus. Here's a trustworthy saying that deserves full acceptance. Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners, of whom I am the worst. But for that very reason, I was shown mercy so that in me, the worst of sinners, Christ Jesus might display his unlimited patience as an example for those who will believe on him and receive eternal life. Now to the king, eternal, moral, visible, the only God to honor, be honored, glory forever and ever. Amen. So this is amazing. Paul is basically saying, listen guys, I've been strengthened by God and I've been given faith and love in abundance. Even though I used to be this person, I've been strengthened, and I've been given faith and love. So, are you lacking one of those areas? Are you lacking in faith? Are you lacking in love? Are you lacking in grace? Because Paul realized, I've been strengthened from God. I don't get my strength from anything else other than Him. But then Christ... Christ did such a good job of walking with the apostles and showing them what faith looked like in action. Right? If you want to know what faith looks like, just read the Gospels. And actually sit down and ask yourself, like, why on earth did Jesus put these guys in this place? Right? Why did we look at them and say you have little faith? Right? It's those little moments you have to ask, wow, what is he trying to teach me about faith? And then love. Love isn't the mushy-gushy, I feel good and emotional, you know. Love is actually pretty doggone intense. Love, like the world is like, have, who's, who's in here heard like people talk about God? And they're like, God is love. You know, I believe in God. God is love. Has anybody here heard that? Is that just me? No. Have people heard that? Yeah. Right? Yeah. Well, I mean, if you want to do like a little study on what love is according to the Bible, you'll be pretty blown away, right? I'm sure like all the sisters in here have it nailed down. Right? I'm sure they can just rattle off that list, you know? Some of the brothers might be still struggling on the first couple. But in 1 Corinthians, it says that love is patient. Right? Love is kind, it's gentle, it keeps no record of wrongs, right? That it bears, it doesn't rejoice in falsehood, but rejoices in the truth. And you look at that and you're like, okay, if I'm thinking about my wife, not married, but if I was thinking about my wife, and I said, okay, 
I love her, so I'm going to be gentle, I'm going to do everything I can to, you know, be patient with her, you know, to not be angry, you know, I'm going to do everything I can to just rejoice in what's true. And you think, okay, God is love. I've got that picture. God is love. Well, remember what Jesus said. He said, love your enemies. Hmm. Wait a minute. Love your enemies. The world doesn't see it that way. I'm going to be patient with my enemy. I'm going to be gentle with my enemy. That's this. All I'm saying is I've got a conviction on the world has no clue what they're talking about. So, <laughs> the fact is, is when he's been giving you grace, faith, and love, and you're in his presence, those things are going to be pouring out of you. You're going to be going to a people, and you're going to be fighting for them. And what Paul was telling Timothy is that I was the worst of sinners, and God displayed his patience with me. Right. He knew where he came from, and so it helped him really see what God had done in his life. I think if you don't see the love in your life, if you don't see what God has given you, and the faith that he's given you, the grace, maybe it's because you forgot where you came from. It's because you forgot who you used to be. Mm, and Jesse. you remember what God pulled you from, and you see where you are now, you're just like, wow, I used to be crazy. But mm. God has given me so much. I didn't deserve it, but God has given me so much. Mm -hmm. Right? He's given me so much. You guys with me here? Yeah. yeah. Come on, Jesse. So that's that's kind of, that's the battle during the summertime, right? Danny kind of mentioned it. You know, it gets hotter, so people dress less, right? I love what Paul tells him in verse 18. You guys are still with me in First Timothy. Come on, bro. In verse 18, it says, Timothy, my son, I give you this instruction in keeping with the prophecies once made about you. So by following on, uh, by following, sorry, so that by following them, you may fight the good fight, hmm. holding on to the faith and a good conscience. That's all. Fight the good fight. If, if you see me come up to you, either now or tomorrow or the next week, and I say, hey, are you fighting a good fight? You should know what that means. Yeah. Right? Holding on to faith and a good conscience. What is faith? Faith is trusting God. What is a good conscience? A good conscience is you know what you ought to do and you're not doing it. For me, I have to fight when I go to work. I used to be in a highly intensive physical job, and now I've been shoved into a place where I'm, I'm, I got nothing to do. And I'm like, I'm really, it's a struggle in my character to, to find things to do. I could sit on my butt and be lazy, but it messes with my conscience. Mm. It's not the good fight. To fight the good fight, I've got to find a way to do that. So what's happening in your life? What, what are the things that your conscience is getting at you that you keep pushing off, right? Paul says that's a fight. You've got to fight for that, right? But he calls it a good fight. Mm. Trust God and hold on to a good conscience. Yeah. Fight that fight. Mm -hmm. It's a good fight. When we're surrounded by people in the summertime, you can start to be envious of what they drive. You can be envious of the parties they're going to, envious of what they're doing, envious of like, man, the world seems so glamorous. It's not. It's not. Remember who you used to be. Now all of a sudden it seems appealing. No. Who were you used to be? You used to be a mess. And you were right there. Mm -hmm. Nobody was telling you what you couldn't do. You were doing it. Mm -hmm. right? I know I was. Like, I had no bars. Well, I was getting pulled over so many times a week. Oh my gosh. So I got some cop stories. Let me tell you. Um, but I know, I remember who I used to be. I was dead, I was cold, I was numb, I was empty. Like, that, that, that seems glamorous, but it's not true. They're not fighting for a good conscience. They're fighting to feel. 
You're fighting to love. When really, when you're in God's presence, you see His glory, you realize what He gives you. Mm-hmm. Right? Paul says, God has given me strength, and Christ has given me faith and love. Mm-hmm. All the things the world is fighting for. So it's right there. Right? So if we're going to have a summer search, right, we got to be in God's presence, and we got to realize who we used to be. Mm-hmm. And then we got to have the focus to reach out to these people. Amen? Yeah. Okay. Amen. So point number two, summary for sleeping. Turn with me to 1 Corinthians chapter 3. Come on, Jesse. Summary for sleeping. Danny again kind of touched on it. Your sleeping until noon. Maybe you're a teenager or you're working graveyard. If it's other than that, I'd be your repentance. <laughs> like, I remember sleeping like that when I was like 14. But other than that. So 1 Corinthians chapter 3 and verse 10, it says, By the grace of God is given me, I have laid the foundation as an expert builder. Someone else is building on it, but each one should be careful how we build. No one can lay any foundation other than the one already laid, which is Jesus Christ. If any man builds on this foundation using gold, silver, costly stones, wood, hair, or straw, his work will be shown for what it is, because the day will bring it to life. Mm. It will be revealed with fire, and the fire will test the quality of each man's work. If what he has built survives, he will receive his reward. If it is burned up, he will suffer loss. He himself will be saved, but only as one escaping through the flames. Wow. So, again, we're coming into the summer not just to do what we've always done. And I think as baby Christians, maybe you've never seen what a summer as a disciple looks like. But it's awesome, right? Trust me, there's hikes, there's games, there's trips to the lake, there's group quiet times. We're blowing up the messenger. There's ultimate frisbee, right, Russell? There's mm. water balloon games, you know? There is like football and baseball and rallies. and It's just awesome. It's a ton of fun. So we've got to have a two-fold focus. One, we've got to be focused on each other, right? This foundation's been built on Christ. Right? There's no other foundation. It's been laid with costly stones. There's been a lot of energy put in to help you guys be of value, yeah. right? Gold, silver, costly stones have been used, right? But when we reach out to baby disciples, baby Christians, or even in the lost, and people in the lost who are lost, we've got to do the same thing. We've got to focus on those relationships because if we don't, it might seem okay on the surface, but when the test comes, it's hay and wood and straw. That it won't last the test, right? Okay. So it's important that we really focus on the quality. I've got another story from work. It actually just happened yesterday. I was building a wall, and I don't know if, I'm not a carpenter. I'm a trailer mechanic. I use hammers and welders and torches. But behind this wall is, uh, they're called studs. And it's two by fours that are standing straight up and down. Is there any carpenters in the house? Hey, there we go. Thank you, Spencer. <laughs> you don't understand anything, ask him. So there's studs, these two by fours are behind the wall here, right? And what that is, is it goes from the bottom all the way to the top. And I'm supposed to build a wall at work. I'm not a carpenter, but I get the basic idea, right? So you got the bottom, you got the top, you got the ribs in the middle. And so I went to the store and I bought half-inch plywood and I'm thinking to myself, man, half-inch plywood's pretty strong. What I'm gonna do is there was a there was a beam across the top and a beam across the bottom. I'm gonna put that plywood up and I'm gonna paint over it. I'm gonna, Top and bottom should be good. <laughs> hey man, you gotta fight the good fight. You know, it's like, let's put it in, let's see, you know? 
And so I put it up there, and immediately, like, I'm like two boards in, and I'm like, mm, this isn't gonna fly. <laughs> the reason why is because I could have made it look good. I could have panned it, I could have made it look good. But you could have walked up to it, just pushed it, and the whole wall would have flexed in, right? It wouldn't have been good. It would not have stood the test. This can't. You can bump into this. This ain't, this is good, you know? <laughs> they built it right. It's the same thing. You can look good on the outside, but if it isn't built right, if there was laziness in relationships, if there's not discipling going on, it will not stand the test. Come on, Jesse. Yeah. I could have put no energy and it would have looked alright, but when somebody came on, it would be like, I built this wall. <laughs> what the trash is this? You know, like, what the heck? I hope I'm not working there, you know? But I went, I, I put it in, amen. I put in the studs. Come on, bro. And I, I made it solid. But that's the question I want to ask. Are there studs in the house, right? Ooh. Are there studs in the house who are discipling other studs? Wow. <laughs> <laughs> okay, wow. It's not my word. It's the word of the carpentry world, you know? Um, but, you know, it's important, right? We've got to really focus on the value of what we put into the things that we build. Yeah. We actually did a game at UW. It was a, kind of a family building time where we built these structures with marshmallows and chickens. And you see these, these two things sticking together, and I told them, I said, guys, here's two teams. You each build a structure, you have a bag of marshmallows, and a box of two things. Build it, and then we're going to put it to the test, right? Yes. It's so cool because these two teams had completely different structures. <laughs> completely different. Some of them had like a whole bunch of marshmallows, like smashed into the table with like a million toothpicks stabbed in with like a bunch of them. It was weird. And then there was another one. I was convinced. I was like, I think I'm like, it was gonna, you know? And there's another one, it was a circle, and they had uh, just uh, completely different structures. Well, we put cell phones on top of there as weights, right? We started stacking cell phones up, and I wasn't involved in building either one. So I was kind of like, I was excited to see me, which one's gonna make it. And to see in the eyes of the people who built them, this thing was put under the test, and as the weight increased, you saw where it failed you saw that, that weak leap start to crumble. And those builders were like, oh, that's not where I thought it would, right? I didn't think it would break there. I thought it would break over here. And then the other one was like, oh, it's not doing what I thought it was going to do, right? As you continue to crush it. And what's cool is one of them won by one cell phone. So they were close. But what I, what I took out of that was, besides the fact that they were building something as a team, you've you got to appreciate the test. Because it looks good. But without the test, you really don't know where it's weak. Oh, yeah. mm. If they were to build that Come structure on, again, they know where to strengthen it so that it can stand more weight. That's awesome, right? Each person needs to go through the test, and then when you fail, right, God's going to put just enough cell phones to, to show where you're weak so that he can build that area. You've got to see it. You've got to see where you're weak. So that, that area can be built. If you never see it, you won't strengthen it. Mm -hmm. And you won't stand the test. Yeah. Isn't that awesome? Yeah. Awesome. So <laughs> let's go back to Ezekiel and just look up. Come on, Jesse. Awesome. Ezekiel chapter 3. <laughs> so Ezekiel chapter 3. Ezekiel is like the man, you know. Just, I'm loving Ezekiel so much. He is incredible. Uh, he's a stud. <laughs> 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 so Ezekiel chapter 3, in verse 16. 
It says, at the end of seven days, the word of the Lord came to me. Son of man, I have made you a watchman for the house of Israel. So hear the word I speak and give warning, give them warning from me. Then I say to a wicked man, when, when I say to a wicked man, you will surely die. And you do not warn him or speak out to dissuade him from his evil ways in order to save his life. That wicked man will die for his sin, and I'll hold you accountable for his blood. But if you do warn the wicked man, and he does not turn from his wickedness or from his evil ways, he'll die for his sin, but you will have saved yourself. Mm. Again, when a righteous man turns from his righteousness and does evil, and I put a stumbling block before him, he will die. Since you did not warn him, he will die for his sin. The righteous things that he did will not be remembered. Mm. Right? You ever heard those people say, I'm a good person? Mm. Right? But I'm not perfect. Right? I'm a sinner. Well, are you being warned and are you taking the warning? Are you changing? People will say that all the time. Well, I'm not perfect. But listen, God comes to you and he says, I'm not condemning you, but don't keep living this way. Right? I used to be a smoker. I don't smoke anymore. Even though it's hard to give up. I don't smoke anymore. But he says, but if you do warn the righteous man not to sin, and he does not sin, he will surely live because he took warning. And you will have saved yourself. He says, the hand of the Lord was upon me there. And he said to me, get up and go out to the plain. And there, I'll speak to you. So what's the summer surge all about? It's a responsibility. It's a responsibility to go to the lofts and warn them. Knowing that what's been given to us is strength. Faith, love, that we've been given abundant grace mm -hmm. to build the foundation with costly stones, right? So that when the test comes, people can stand up under it. People, they, man, they get crushed in the world. They get crushed hard. And they'll either repent or they don't. But our responsibility is to warn the righteous people who are in here. Maybe you're unrighteous. I don't you know. I'll warn you, right? <laughs> warn me if you see me off track. But also the people in the world. We've been given a responsibility. But what has to happen first is you've got to be in the presence of God. Mm. Yeah. You've got to see the glory of God and be overwhelmed with who He is. Yeah. Because if you're not, you will not be able to go to someone who's lost and warn them. You'll be just like them. Right? right? They don't know the glory of God. You'll be just like them. You'll be like, hey, bro, you need to change. And he's like, oh, who are you? Right? Like, you got, when you're in front of God, it's just like getting hit with a Mack truck. You're not going to be the same. So I heard a quote this, this week that actually really impacted me. It's by Harriet Tubman. And she said that I freed a thousand slaves. She was five foot tall, by the way. She was five when she was twelve. When she was 12 years old, a slave had escaped the owner. And as he went to go after her, she as a 12-year-old stood in the way which gave a person enough time to escape, but he had hit her in the head with what he was basically going to hit them with. And as a 12-year-old, it impacted her so hard. She she had uh, like sleeping episodes for a lot of years until she uh, she had surgery to fix it. But she's this little five foot nothing slave girl who, who had who had just done amazing things. And she had this quote. She said, "I'm free." A thousand slaves. I could have freed a thousand more if they only knew that they were slaves. 
They didn't know. I could have freed so many more, but they didn't know. There's so many people, guys, who are slaves, and they don't know it. They're looking for the next hot. They're looking for the next goal. They're looking for the next achievement. They're looking for the next person to say, I love you and I appreciate you for who you are. But they don't understand that they're slaves, that it's God in his presence that sets them free from all of that. It's that Mack truck that changes you, right? It's not going to be when you get that promotion or when you find that perfect girl, you know, or when you, you know, when you finally just feel like you're, you're secure in your finances. Like, I trust me, trust me when I say this. I've met all those people. And uh, they're still climbing. They haven't gotten it. They're still climbing. They, they're never satisfied. And it's amazing that when you're in God's presence, you don't want to get taken up. Yeah. You don't want to get taken out. But let's have that focus. Let's come into the summer knowing this is going to be awesome. It's going to be full of fun and games and fellowship. But the focus needs to be building each other. Right? It's got to be in God's presence. It's got to be building each other and it's reaching out to the lost world. To God be able to work. <laughs>